This train is inbound. From Sector C. My crime is that of outsmarting you. If you have not yet submitted your identity to the retinal clearance system, communications interface online. You're not dealing with AT&T. Automatic medical systems engaged. Welcome to the internet, my friend. How can I help you? Defensive weapon selection system activated. Have a very safe day. Have a safe day. Hello, and welcome to Hack Radio Live. This is our first show, so it is going to be a short show. But if you like it, you can find more every week at hackradiolive.org. We encourage you to go there. Uh, representing uh, San Diego, California, I'm Drake Anubis. And representing Florida, or the interwebs, uh, as I'd like to know it, uh, uh, Enigma. Okay, well, how, how's the evening treating you? I know it's like 3 in the morning over there. Eh, it's about 12.30. It's, it's not too bad. Uh, it's been a long day. But uh, So what have you been working on, Drake? We haven't talked in forever. Oh, I have um, a lot of things. I've, um, I'm working on building an Opticom, which is what emergency vehicles use to preempt traffic lights, so you can change traffic lights from red to green, which is more complicated than you, than you think it should be. And, and uh, like, illegal, isn't it, in, like, 50 states? Well, you know, the only reason I'm working, well, it's very illegal. And in fact, it's so illegal that I have moral qualms about using it because it could actually, like, kill someone if an ambulance can't get through an intersection. But now I'm just really upset that it wasn't as easy as I thought it was, and now I have to do it at least once to be satisfied. Yeah, and uh, break, like, so many laws. In the, oh, yeah, well, in I'm there. going to an intersection that is a four-way intersection, but it only has one street going to it, and it's actually a dead end. So I don't think anyone cares if I test it down there. Now, are you sure you're going to, you know, want to air this on uh, the Internet uh, and have the, the feds, like, banging down your door? No, because I could be lying. You could be lying. Yeah. And you probably are. Yeah, I, I lie a lot. We're going to assume where you're lying. Yeah. Hypothetically. What, there should be a disclaimer. Yeah, hypothetically, that's what I've been working on. What have you been up to? Uh, a lot of things. Uh, nothing really hacky-related hack uh, lately. Um I guess the most recent thing is I, I built a myth box. It's sitting in my front room. It's kind of kind of loud. <laughs> it's I turned I turned an old box into a myth TV box, and um, just as an experiment because I was using um, like Ubuntu as my uh, media center and just attaching it. To Not Mythbuntu, whatever it is. No, I was using the I was using Ubuntu and just attaching it to my my uh file server because i have a lot of um a lot of avi files that i that i play on my tv and i just had uh a linux box attached to my tv and i was playing it through that and i got i got uh annoyed with that because i couldn't like watch regular tv so then i went to mythbuntu um and that's what i'm using now and uh basically it was just a, a you know a uh, crammed together box that I had old spare parts lying around, um, and it's loud and it's it's not very well done. Let's put it that way. <laughs> Have you considered using like um, you know the Xbox 360 or uh, Apple TV or something? Um, that's actually kind of funny because I was going to use a old Xbox. I uh, purchased a um, uh, original Xbox and I was going to use XBMC on it. And uh, I uh, I blew that uh, up. It's kind of in parts in the in the middle of the room. 
You let the magic smoke out? Well, I was replacing the hard drive in it. I wanted to put a bigger hard drive in it. So I uh, took it apart, and um, I accidentally touched something I shouldn't have, apparently, and I, I, I kind of blew up the motor. Like, it kind of made sparks, and it was kind of cool. No, oh, of the hard drive itself? No, no, no. Of the unit itself. I, I guess I laid the metal against metal across the, the motor portion of it, and, uh, and shorted something, and it made pretty sparks. There's a motor in the Xbox? Yeah, there's a little little tiny. Well, it's the power supply, the power supply oh. motor, the power oh, supply for the fan f- motor. Fan. Okay, I gotcha. Yeah. So anyway, I, I'm going to get another one, but it's kind of low priority at this point. I've been working a lot of hours, and I haven't really had time to devote to uh, play things. So, anyway. why do you hate the Apple TV so much? Because it's Apple and it's expensive, and like the box that I have using. Uh, for the MythBox is like a low-end, it's a 3 gigahertz machine, single core, um, with maybe a gig of RAM in it, mm. and like 300 gig of hard drive space. I thought you had this massive file server that was so great I'm always hearing about. I, I do have a massive file server, but it's sitting in the other room, and it's got like a terabyte of space on it. You can't, like, have the MythBox hit that stuff instead? Yeah, but it would be really slow, I would think. I, I haven't tried it. I mean, I, I guess I could. No, it should be fast. And in fact, it should do um, a little bit of buffering, actually. Or a type of buffering, anyway. Well, I guess. Um, but I only have a, a the switch that I have everything plugged into is only a 100, 100 megabit NIC, or 100 megabit switch, so. Well, stop living in the past. Would you say earlier that you're running Windows NT right now or something? No, I'm running Windows Vista on the one laptop that I run uh, Windows on for work, so it actually dual boots. So, so for you, uh, so I don't get hate mail. You uh, run Windows. What are you running? Windows? I have. Well, it's actually it's a Hackintosh, and then it, it boots into Seven when I need to do recording stuff for the ASIO drivers for the hardware stuff. Uh, yeah, my main desktop is running Ubuntu nine nine oh four, I think, at this moment. So. So, other than that, I think uh, pretty pretty lame uh, when it comes to uh, to hacker related stuff. So, anything else that you've been doing? Uh, no, but I guess I can go into what will be the show's topic. Okay, let's let's go into show. Or do we want to talk about the show a little bit first, or do we want to? Um, I think it will become. I think by this point, it, it, it now that you've talked about how you have a Linux installed on your uh, home theater, I think it's become apparent. Why is that apparent? I think it's weird to buy an Apple TV, let alone to have Linux running in your front room. But it's not really that hard. You pop in a disk and you install it. The hardest thing is is the stupid capture cards. The capture cards are the freaking hardest, and and you got to read you know RTFM the the manual. That that was my problem. Like I I got everything installed, and then I couldn't get the the cable to go across my uh, capture card, and it's because I I uh, set it up wrong. I set it up to uh, the they have uh, like US cable and then US cable or US cable and then US cable broadcast, and then the the broadcast is the one that you, you would get you get through the like like the cable company like Time Warner or whatever. Sure. Um, the the US cable is like uh, if you were to get it over the air. So there's two t- two types of decoding, and I had it set up to the wrong one, and I was like, why am I not getting any cable? Like I think I have it set up right. And it took me like half a day to figure out that I oh I'm a moron and I need to uh, have it to broadcast. So, 
Anyway. But what do you have running in your room? You have an Apple TV or what? Um, I actually don't have a, t- a TV per se. I do have a projector set up in a kind of a home theater sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's uh, – it, it was switched between the Wii and the Apple TV and the uh, computer itself. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, anyway, so are we talking about the show, or are we not talking about the show, or... Um, I think we can skip talking about the show. It's just a pilot. I think it'll become apparent what the show's about anyway. All right, either that or we'll talk about it on the back end if we need to fill in space, so go ahead. Okay, well, I was going to talk about a thing for the Nintendo Wii called Wii RD. Do you have a Wii, by any chance? I do have a Wii. How do you like it? I, I like it a lot. I, um, I'm, I'm a Mario Kart guy. Oh, are you? Uh, yes, very much so. And I oh, am I am a uh my, my top three Wii games are Mario Kart, uh Star Wars Force Unleashed, and just because I like the the what lightsaber thing. And uh Punch Out. Punch Out? Yeah, Punch Out. Mike Tyson's Punch Out, don't you remember it for the NES? For the N Punch Out. No, I don't know this game at all. Yes, it's called Mike Tyson's Punch Out. It was for the NES and it was it was the best boxing game for the old Nintendo. I mean, it was yes, it was it was great. So they brought back all the characters. It's it's reliving my youth. <laughs> just like just, I don't have the 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 new uh, Super Mario game, but that's my next one. I'm gonna get is the the redone Mario where you can play four player on the on the side scroller the side scroller Mario. Oh yeah, I'd kind of like to see that. Yeah, I want I want to do that just to relive my youth. Well, have you ever been playing the Wii and thought, man, if only I could access the memory right now, wouldn't that be great? Um, what do you mean by access the memory? I mean that it's actually possible to access and manipulate the um, memory of the Nintendo Wii while it's running, so in real time. So, so what would you do with this type of application? Like, like why would you? Oh, well, I will tell you. Okay. You know how like the memory holds things like the executable and game data, texture maps, um, mm-hmm. so on. But most importantly, it has variables, which would be things like position coordinates, event timers, health, speed, uh, counters of any kind. Right. If you think about memory like a giant spreadsheet with every cell holding some particular piece of information about the game, like this cell might be the X Y Z coordinates of your player, and that cell might be how many lives you have and such. Mm-hmm. If you can. Uh, change any part of this uh, of the memory that you want at any time you could say oh you know if you only you can find the cell that says how many shots you have left if you need more ammo and if it says 12 you can just punch in 1200 and then you have you know 1200 so- shots left yeah i mean yeah i got it and this is actually possible and on top of that it's actually really easy uh with a device called the usb gecko have you ever heard of this yes i've heard of it i've never had any experience with it really Mm-hmm. What do you know about this? I haven't heard about this until just like a couple months ago. Um, I've I've heard the name, but I really don't know what it does or is. So, please. Oh, then my friend, let me enlighten you. Well, enlighten me. It's it's a little adapter thing, and it plugs into the Wii through one of the uh, old GameCube memory card slots. Actually, uh, sorry to interrupt, but I think I think um, I heard about it with one of the the uh, hacks for the uh, for the Wii. Like um, the one where you uh, can install like homebrew uh, applications on it. Um, I'm thinking that's what I want. It's related to that. It's because one of the things you need to do is that uh, it communicates with a code handler that essentially instead of the game just running in its own little loop, it puts the game inside another loop so that every time the game loops, it can uh, perform uh, some kind of manipulation. 
Okay. So in order to have the code handler there, you have to somehow launch the game um, from something other than the actual disc itself. So you get, you could have the disc, but the code handler has to launch the game. You can't just launch the game from the Wii menu. Okay. So you, you might have heard it in conjunction with that. Yeah, probably. Because um, the the only thing, the only experience I have with like like Wii hacking is I looked into like the homebrew the homebrew applications for like installing emulators on on the Wii, so you could play well one so you could play DVDs on your Wii, and two so you could um, play like uh, the the ROMs, the old NES ROMs and things on your Wii. Oh yeah, you know I actually well I have my Wii hacked with the homebrew channel and such, and I because I, I wanted to play Metal Slug on the Wii. Cause it's such a fun game, mm-hmm. um, but it's the emulator's not so fantastic, especially not in multiplayer mode. So mm. if you haven't been able to uh, haven't had the time to do it, don't uh, cry over it. Yeah, I haven't had it, really had the time to do it. I wanted to uh, see how the uh, uh, DVDs played on the Wii. Um, I have no idea, because I actually have that, that disc from Netflix where you put it in and you can watch any movie streaming from Netflix. Oh, okay, I, I know what you're talking about. Anyway, I, I was talking about code handlers. Yes, wasn't yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, so the, what, the, what the code handler does is it runs, and um, inst- the way the game usually works is it runs inside of a loop, and uh, every loop it does things like it checks variables and sees if it, it looks for buttons to be pressed, and it uh, you know renders the new frame and such. Well... The code handler puts the game loop inside of another loop, so every time the game runs once, the code handler has a chance to say, oh, hey, Gecko, do you need me to do anything? And the Gecko can say, oh, yeah, do this or do that or what have you. But um, essentially, the, the cool thing about the Gecko is that it gives your computer access to the entire contents of Wii system memory so you can upload and execute files, dump RAM, write to it, freeze games, take screenshots, actually uh, perform debugging, which is what we're going to talk about. And incidentally, you can use this to back up games. Now, I've never actually done this because I don't actually care, but Nintendo made a big stink about this, and the USB Gecko project was discontinued a while ago. So the units aren't being manufactured, but you can still find them kicking around for about 50 bucks or so. And actually, I'm looking at the website where I bought mine, and they're out of stock. But um, they're floating around for about 50 bucks. It's not that hard to find one. Although, um, I believe if you're, tech- if you're electrically inclined, you can build your own USB Gecko. It's it's the Gecko is just kind of a serial to USB converter, and then a couple components that actually talk to the code handler. So I guess it's not that hard to make your own. Mm-hmm. Although I've never actually really tried it. Um, and the I guess when the project was closed, the schematics and such were released, and I have the schematics, and I'll put them in the show notes because apparently they're hard to find. Um, so if you want to, you can build your own Gecko. Um, I'm not that electric uh, electrically inclined, as you heard my uh, xbox story so oh that's right okay well then let's say you buy one so you bought one and now you have one and you're happy with it and uh unless you're really late and i'm not you'll be working entirely with a, a gui program called um we rd and i had this problem where i say we ird for some strange reason but it's we rd uh, it stands for we remote debugger and it's a third-party memory modification program designed just to work with the gecko but uh, the main thing is that it's this application that it looks like it was designed by hackers because it, there's just buttons flying all over the place and such, but it's separated into kind of multiple tabs with each tab doing some kind of specific pr- purpose. There's a tab for if you want to grab screenshots and a tab for calculating pointers and such a memory, but the main, the really cool thing about it is that it centers around uh, a, a type of code manager for managing what are called WeRD codes, which are, if you remember um, GameShark codes, they're a lot like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember you know, GameShark. Yeah, you know, I wonder what happened to Game Shark. I don't know. 
There was also one um, from the Nintendo. I can't remember what it was called. Oh, that's right. There was. Yeah, it was. Uh, oh, I have one in the other room, and I can't remember. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> There's a uh, the, the the codes are essentially a, a list of hexadecimal instructions that perform certain operations. Um, and the code manager lets you store all these uh, instruction sets and activate them at will. So, uh. A good example would be there's a level in Super Smash Brothers where it's the fighting game where you're um there's a level where you're fighting on a pirate ship and it's surrounded by water and if you fall in the water that's fine you just need to get back out uh, unless you're staying there forever and then you drown but okay if nobody if they don't know what Super Smash Brothers melee is or Super Smash Brothers is then they just don't deserve to be listening to the show like <laughs> well you were going on about like your top favorite games and you didn't mention it, so I'm like well, maybe it's not as popular as I thought it was no it's popular it's just not my top three it's it's up there though. It's up there? Okay, well, if you think back to my, what I call a a spreadsheet analogy earlier, with each uh, cell representing a particular location in memory, there's actually one location that specifies the water level, and if you have a little bit of code, you can actually modify that. So, uh, when we're playing a game, if someone lands in the water, I can quickly hit apply in the WeRD control window thing. It will tell the gecko to execute that code, and the water level will instantly fall to some low off-screen value, which is far below the kill zone. So if anyone lands in the water, they're just instantly dead because it's no longer there. And you can do this kind of stuff on the fly. You can actually go in there and say you can change uh, what item someone's holding or the size of a particular character and add all kinds of crazy things. But it's just it's so you're basically because you're, you're basically doing uh, for back of, lack of a better term code injection to a live a live game. It's a lot like that. Let's say someone throws like a uh, like a Pokeball, right? And you can specify which Pokemon will be in there, and the way it works is you tell the gecko, if you see uh, this Pokeball, make sure it has this value Pokemon in it. So it sits there and goes, Pokeball, 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 and it just keeps checking for this Pokeball, and then when it sees one, it goes, oh, switch, and then it has the right Pokemon in it. So it's just constantly sitting there going, you know, check, 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 and then it finds it and switches hmm. it. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it, it it occasionally crashes the Wii, but very, not as often as you would imagine for changing memory on the fly while the game's running. Yeah, that's kind of, uh, interesting how they can keep, you know, the game running when you're flipping out code. That's what, that's the job of the code handler. Occasionally, you see things, like if you inject just a ton of code, uh, that's not the right word, but if you activate a ton of code, the Wii will actually st- pause for just a small second. You, you can't even see it, but you can hear it because it, it has to render the same uh, little wave segment over and over until it starts going again, but um, usually it's just it's seamless, which is pretty cool. Hmm. But, uh, the really neat thing about the uh, WeRD Code Manager is that it's very helpful at letting you create your own uh, codes. Like, if you want to if you want to uh, uh, change how many lives you have, right, there's this incredibly useful recursive search feature that is just... It, it blew my mind how useful it was the first time I saw it. Like, so let's say you you want to change you want to be able to change how many lives you have in a particular game, and you, no one else has this code out, so it's all on you basically. Well, if you start out with five lives, you can tell the we are we to search for everything in memory that has the number five. So it goes through and it looks for number five throughout the entire memory. And it comes back with like ten thousand, um, you know, matches, and you say, okay, well that's great, but then you kill yourself, so you only have four. And you say, okay, now of the things you just found, check to see which ones are now represented by four instead of five. And you can keep doing this. And then once you get down to like uh, two or one lives remaining, there's only one cell that used to be five, then was four, then was three, and now you know just two, then one. So you can like almost hone in on things. And there are 
all kinds of useful operations. Like you can say, find any cells that are increasing. So if you want to find counters, it will identify cells that you know have been consistently going up and such. So like, so for example, um, your score in a game. Yeah, if you enter, if you, let's say you have like a hundred points and you need a thousand, if you enter in a hundred, it will look for every instance of a hundred, and then you do something so that you get like a hundred and five, and then you t- say everything you just found, see if it's now a hundred and five, and it keeps narrowing it down. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, and then when you when, once you end up with this list of of cells, you usually only end up with like two or three that are probable locations. You can do what's called a poke, which is where you click on a. Uh, a particular location, and you uh, you can change the value live. So, like, if you think you found one that represents your lives, you can enter a 99 and hit poke, and it will change that to be 99. Uh, occasionally, that will just crash the game because you change some random value that just happened to correspond with how many lives you have. But usually, it will actually, you know, alter how many lives you have, and then it will just change instantly, and it will just, you know, you'll have whatever that value is, which is pretty awesome. It's it's a it's a very uh, there's a surge of power the first time you do it. And you're like, oh my god, I'm like God. That's basically how yeah, God of, of the Wii game. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a very small domain, but it's a very important domain to a lot of people. Okay, whatever floats your boat, you know. Hey, no, it's, it's, well, it's, it's just very fun. But, and there's, a, there's even a part where you can actually view limited windows of the memory in real time, and this cuts the game speed in half because every time the game cycles, the gecko is pulling, out, is pulling every location you're trying to view so it can refresh the display. But it's really useful if you want to say, like, if you want to find a weird variable that you can't find with the recursive search and such, uh, usually these variables are kind of clumped, like all the variables for your particular character are probably all in one kind of location. So you can just look at that location and actually watch stuff update in real time. So like if you're, if you're uh, driving a tank or something, you can actually watch the XYZ coordinates move and such. It's very, very cool. Hmm. But uh, once you find all this information, you can actually write your own code, and the language is incredibly difficult, and there's no documentation of that's of well, there's some documentation, but it's all written by hackers, so it's it's you almost need documentation for the documentation. But if you can figure it out, you can write these like if and then statements, and this is all done in hexadecimal. So when you get it working, you feel really cool about it and such. But if you have a Wii, I encourage you to check this out because it's phenomenally great, and you can reinvent old games and make them fun again. I'll have to check it out because I never really. I'd recommend it. There is actually a way you can do this kind of all in software. Uh, if you launch the game with any kind of code handler, um, like for example, I launch games off of an external hard drive, not because I don't own the actual game, but just because it loads so much faster off of the external hard drive. Um, there's actually a, a thing in there where what it will do is if you turn the feature on, it will check the SD card looking for those weak uh, WeRD codes. So instead of having to inject them with the Gecko in real time, you can have them always apply, which is actually really useful because some codes you don't want on all the time like you don't always want your character to be five times bigger than it should be because it's really kind of awkward and it gets the novelty wears off but there are ways you can specify like program defaults so that the game automatically loads and is set up exactly the way you want it with the preferences you want and such so um but if you just have the oops i just smacked the microphone see and you pick on my microphone and i don't i didn't smack my microphone tonight the difference is that my microphone's on this. My microphone is taking up way too much desk real estate. It's actually on a. It's it's a Heil PR twenty, which is it reproduces some of the sound of the Heil PR forty, which some people say is the only microphone worth a damn, and a lot of people don't like the Heil stuff. But the, the PR twenty is just such a great microphone, but it's just it requires so much. It requires the preamp and the pop filter and the microphone stand, and it's just it's it's menacing okay, to look is at. Is it bad that I did not know? I did not understand a word you just said. Other than microphone, all I said was that the Heil PR20 is a very good microphone. It's only a hundred bucks, and it's made by Bob Heil, and it just—it sounds so great. Okay, I understood that. 
<laughs> that's, well, that's the only reason I sound anything. You know, I actually sound like that guy from Family Guy. Uh, uh, Mort Goldman is always always talking about his psoriasis, and oh my god, that's how I always sound. But with this microphone, you can't tell. Mm, maybe a little bit. No, oh, damn, Be a better microphone. But what I was getting at there is I had no idea what you were talking about terminology-wise. It's just there's a microphone, and there's a microphone stand, and you Maybe wanna... one of these days you can educate me, like maybe we can make a show about just microphone technology and sound technology, and you can be the expert. I'm hardly an expert. I'm just, I mean, what, what's that, uh, where everyone's blind, the one-eyed man is king, that kind of thing? Okay, well, you can be the one-eyed man, and I'll be blind. There you go. Okay. Um, well, I expected this to be a short show, and I think our audience would probably appreciate short shows over long shows anyway, but, um, do you have anything else you want to touch on? Um, not really. Um, I think we're good for today. It's been, like, 40 minutes, so, I mean... Oh, no, because 10, min- 10 minutes at least was that where we blah, was when we were talking about the Iron Key earlier. Ah, well, dude, did you want to re- rephrase the Iron Key, or did you want to just splice it in on the end? Um... <sighs> It was just me making fun of the Iron Key. I don't really want to include it because everyone, lo- a lot of hackers love the Iron Key, and it's just going to be a bad move politically for me. Um, well, that's I'll- fine. You can be the villain in this show. I'll be the <laughs> I'll be the the voice of light. I was just saying that. Okay, the the Iron Key. The the, the small background is that it's a, a flash drive, but it has built-in hardware encryption, and it's encased in this epoxy, and it's in this metal container, so you can't actually access the chips. And then even if you could, the data is encrypted, so it's. You know, it's a very secure flash drive, and it's great for personal use because you can put your, you know, bank documents or journal or whatever on the flash drive, and that's fantastic. But uh, apparently, one of their biggest sources of income is enterprises that buy like a thousand or ten thousand of these things. What do you need ten thousand iron keys for? What, what, what company says, man, you know, all that really, really, really sensitive stuff we have? If only we could put that on a flash drive, wouldn't that be great? If only there was a flash drive that could handle it, why would you do that? Uh, personally, I wouldn't let the sensitive documents out of the building, but that's just me. Yeah, but no, no, but you could with the Iron Key. You could put all of your company secrets on one of these devices, and then you're good to go. Okay, well, you know, hey, I, I don't understand the, the point of that either, but um, I think the Iron Key is a bit to the realm of, I know I'm going to get hate mail for this, but to the realm of, of paranoia. Like, I wonder how many Iron Keys Iron Geek has. He must have, like, four. Yeah, well, whatever floats your boat. But, I mean, really, if you're... Do you really have stuff that's that sensitive that requires, like, a special USB device that you can't just get through regular, like, encryption? Yeah, but but this is uh, waterproof up to the maximum depths possibly measurable. Okay, did you plan on chucking it into the ocean? <laughs> Um, you know, if it sinks, it could sink down to the ocean floor, and then you can go back and get it, and your data will still be okay. Again, and still be encrypted. Again, why? <laughs> I don't know. I'm just, that's what I was saying before the show. I just thought it was kind of dumb. It, it's, it's cool for personal use, and it's like a bragging right at DEF CON or something, but I don't see why a company would buy These things are, these aren't cheap either. The really big one is 300 bucks, which is unfair. The cheap one's 100 bucks. <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, well, from San Diego, California, I'm Drake Anubis. And I'm Enigma. And uh, have a good evening, I guess. Yes, indeed.
Thank you.